Good afternoon. You're listening to Local Media This Week here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. and You're very, very welcome this Sunday afternoon. I'm, my name is Jim Collins and I'm joined here by most of our regular panel. So we have uh, John S. Kelly. John, good afternoon. Afternoon, Jim. And Pat O'Brien. Pat, you're welcome again. Thanks, Jim. And we have, uh, standing in for, for David, uh, we have Luke Fleming. Luke, you're welcome. Hi, Jim. How are you? And today we have a guest. Um, we've had him before, but a very special guest uh, to join us here on local media this week. And that is from the Clare Echo, Parik McMahon. Parik, you are very, very welcome to East Clare again. Good afternoon, Jim. Thanks very much for having me. Great stuff. Well, uh, we're our job here, I suppose, is to look at uh, the local print media and, you know, just have a chat about it, see what's what's being covered, what's being featured, and maybe give our own take on it. And we don't always agree with each other. So um, John S. Uh, can be quite um, contrary at times. and uh, It depends on the day, Jim. <laughs> Anyway, looking at the uh, at, at at both papers, um, there is both the Clare Echo and the Clare Champion. Um, looking at the, they cover uh, a story here: mother learned of daughter's death over Facebook. And uh, I suppose since the story on the Clare Echo is written by Parik, we'll uh, maybe turn to him first. And I understand you've been covering this story for a while, Parik. Yeah, no, it's been um, something I've been working away on for a month um, where uh, Mary, Mary O'Shea made contact with us in the office and she said she wanted us to, to run the story and to highlight it. So she's basically trying to seek changes to next of kin policy, which is in place across hospitals across Ireland. So um, tragically, her daughter, Ashling died in December of last year. She, she had had kidney problems for a long while and um, she was admitted to hospital after having a fall when she returned to work last September. She was a very popular worker in Killaloo, Super Value. And um, when she was in hospital, she unfortunately contracted COVID-19. Um, and that, along with her other conflicting health issues, unfortunately resulted in her death last December. And um, Mary had been split from Ashling's father originally, so she wasn't listed as next of kin. And she would have found it almost impossible to get information from the hospital. Um, anytime she'd rang them for updates, they couldn't go. They were only, And of course, the hospital were only doing their job. They were follow, following the, the policies in place. Um, and ultimately, it got that Ashling's conditions deteriorated. Mary was given no proper updates or information, and it um, then transpired in in December of last year that uh, an ex co-worker of Mary sent her a message on Facebook to sympathise with her on the daughter, her, the death of her daughter. And then it would it took fifteen hours for between Mary making contact with the hospital for them to actually confirm that Ashling had died, which was um, pretty. Um, unimaginable pain anyway yes. for a parent to lose a child but you know that that tragedy and trauma that Mary went through was very difficult and approaching um, Ashling's first anniversary she came to us to try highlight the story to see could it bring about change in, in how next of kin policy is which is very difficult in a scenario like that where families are slightly estranged for, for updates to be given and unfortunately for Mary it was kind of an example of that. Yes, and I suppose given that what the policy is, presumably there is a next of kin and that next of kin is the one that they contact and everybody else is outside that, irrespective of what type of relative they are. Exactly, that's, and that's the way it was. And, it, you know, also it came at a time where we had COVID-19 restrictions, so there was no visitors even allowed in um, and Ashling was in ICU for, for a time as well. And it was before she went to ICU, she was in contact with Mary. And then she told her, I'm going to ICU, I'm going to have to turn off my phone, my condition is getting worse. And Mary knew at that stage that was the last time she was going to talk to her daughter. 
Yes. Um, yes. Which is which is pretty tragic oh, as well. Yeah. Absolutely know, dreadful. And to, to hear the news then like that is is pretty awful. Yes. What's, John? what's the reason, do you think, Boring, for this policy? I wouldn't have the, the exact explanation for it now, but then the, the, the matter was raised by Cahill Crow in the Dáil in a parliamentary question, and in response the HSE said back that the use of the word next of kin can actually be misleading. So the whole thing of a policy is very vague mm-hmm. around it. Like you couldn't, in a way, you couldn't be critical of University Hospital Limerick, I would say, in this scenario, like because the nurses and everyone there was only doing their job. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just following the letter of the law, which was in place. Now, a, a review has, Mary has sought for a review to take place. She initially contacted the hospital in April, at the start of April 2021, looking for that review to begin. Um, she got correspondence in May saying an acknowledgement, but there was delay after delay with that. And then in August, um, you know, they acknowledged a number of things and, and the review is ongoing. And I think she's going to seek maybe a further investigation into the review that they've carried out. And I think she is uh, meeting the minister in Dublin, I gather, there's, there's the next week. There's talk that Deputy Crow is going to organise a meeting with Minister Donnelly and yeah. the, possibly the Taoiseach. But the Taoiseach was supposed to come down to County Clare to launch the NS2040 strategy in January and wasn't able to come so I kind of believe that meeting is going to happen when you see it Mm. it's a sad it's a sad story it's an important story because it raises as you say a very significant issue in relation to connection but I don't know what the answer is I would think a very simple solution to it John and if it's something it obviously needs to be looked at countrywide I presume it's not just an issue that could come to Limerick but if you use the word we'll say next of kin the other word I would use for it is parents and you you know most have two mm-hmm. and i cannot understand how the mother of or or a father of a child cannot get information if if that uh if their son or daughter is in hospital well, i agree with you luke yeah. that, that's mm. the solution to it mm. yeah, yeah. you know i said you know families can break up relationships break up but at the end of the day flesh and blood is flesh and blood and mm. you know it, it's not, it's not as if um Ashley wasn't in touch with her mother or anything like that. She was, you know. And, and I said, I, I, I just know, I, I, I didn't know her very well, but I knew her from working in Super Value in Killaloo, and she was a lovely lady. Mm-hmm. And I said, may she rest in peace. But I would think the solution to it is basically that uh, if they have to come up with legislation or change the wording next of kin to sort of just put it, you know, parents with an S at the end of it. Yes, so that you have two, or at least if two are alive, that they both have equal access Ex- to information. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, just, uh, just uh, like just think that it was fifteen hours. The, the girl was dead fifteen hours before the mother knew about it. You know, that's extraordinary. Yeah. Mm. yeah common sense you, you should come in yeah, somewhere. Come, it's good, it should, yeah. You know, common sense is, uh, is often uh, lacking in, in a lot of those places too. Um. I mean, from from one sad story, we we move on to something maybe more lighthearted. The um. I know John S. raised his eyebrows when he saw this one about the Ennis Musical Society. And uh, there are all sorts of problems for musical societies and, and anybody putting on shows, John, but uh, the Ennis Musical Society have a, a rather unique problem. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about the Ennis situation is that uh, the Musical Society are stepping in to take the place of the Listoon Varna Festival because they have a cry out now for men. Now, I know, notice you down there at the end of the table, Jim, you're beginning to react. Would you fit the bill there? 
<laughs> I'm taken, I'm afraid, John. Yeah. They're, they're, rehears- they're in rehearsal for the musical Legally Blonde. Obviously, it's heavily weighted towards the female, but they do need some men. And the reality is, the men are slow in coming. So they, they put out a good, a, a, a good article. And uh, let me say, tell you what they say. Uh, we need men. That's the message from the Ennis Musical Society, which has put out a desperate plea for men of the county, Clare, to get involved in their upcoming show, Legally Blonde. Yes. Now, and if taking part in fun show isn't enough, the chairperson, Rachel Culligan, reveals that the society is the ideal place, Pat, to be for those looking for love. How about that? The Ennis Musical Society is holding auditions for the show and Rachel is urging men to put themselves forward. Would we give support to that now? Well, have we enough? Um, could we could we spare any men <laughs> from the radio to... Well, look at with six of us around, five of us around the table here, you know. Uh, are we on offer? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Would our voices be good enough, John? No, they, they, there are some non-speaking parts. In, in <laughs> the, but I thought it was a very catch, uh, catchy... Uh, uh, heading Ennis Music Society desperate for men well there's a quotation and I can't for the life of me think uh, off the top of my head as to to attribute the quotation but the uh, quotation being that a woman without a man yeah. is like a fish without a bicycle <laughs> so God, yeah. I think that there's, that a, there's another variation of that one as well James. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is it Lou? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe after the watershed uh, I think so yeah yeah. I'd say off air John <laughs> before anyway, we get in trouble Ra- Ra- Rachel Culligan is here she's, a, the, she's as John said there she's the chairperson she, she describes the group as, a, a, as almost a tinder of Venus yeah. many couples meeting and falling in love after joining it's kind of a, a wonderful dating service I would say she lives so they're holding auditions anyway if anyone in, and, and starting in January and uh, she's urging anybody to want to go along and join up. Uh, do you know what I'd suggest, Pat? That she'd hold auditions uh, in East Clare, like take the mills. Yeah. You, you've awaited bachelor, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, over there. Okay. If t- she went on tour throughout our region here of East Clare, she'd get the men. Oh, she would get it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of us are old enough, Parik, to remember the Kilkishan Marquis. <laughs> no, you're not, but uh, Pat and I would often have gone there. At least Pat and I. I think though, if Rachel is doing a tour of East Clare, she should bring over Janice, who appears to be putting his hand up as uh, East Clare's answer. To <laughs> East Clare's answer to Willie Daly. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Yeah, um, I suppose Porrick, for this time of year, uh, in the in the lead up to Christmas, it's probably a very busy time for uh, a weekly newspaper. Yeah, given given that there are some, particularly this year, maybe because people want to, businesses want to to do the best they can at Christmas, given that the year has been so patchy. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you can see it in board papers. There's a um, a lot of advertisement from people. We're wearing Black Friday now, so a lot of people looking to maybe get a bargain if they can. And one point that was kind of put forward, I was just reading it online from Councillor Mary Howard, was just, you know, the big companies that we're shopping with online, they're not sponsoring the local hurling team or funding the local drama club. So 
and this is really, you know, we say Black Friday, but maybe it should be Green Friday is what they're saying and support the Irish businesses in a way. And, you know, because ultimately they're the ones that are given the local jobs and given the funding to local communities and groups. So um, I suppose that'd be something I know people at Scarf Bay, their listeners of Scarf Bay are very good to support local as well. So, um, you know, at this time of year where we can, I think, if the Christmas presents are to be got, if they can be got locally, it'd be brilliant. Yes. Throw into that one because it's, 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 it's a recurring issue by local, by Irish, you know, isn't it? But there's one stands out in my mind and that is the closure of the closure of post offices. All right? And I'm hearing that the post offices are willing to take on agency work by uh, from the government that there are different types of Jim different types of uh, sub agencies that the government serves okay that could be done in the post office and our argument is we, that we need to wake up to the reality that trying to save our post office after it is closed is too late we save it by doing local by encouraging our politicians to get interested in what it is that's required to save the post offices and it is more more hand work hand on work from the state and uh, otherwise you'll have a repeat of the broadford situation and of the other situations around the countryside another mm. village losing out yeah. so they, in fair play to the clare champion they have a good editorial and uh, and you're working on one, Parik, uh, for next next week, I, I heard. Well, I think Parik has a look for local um, feature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. The, and the, the, the Click for Clare um, partnership between the Clare Local Enterprise Office and the Clare Echo is, is back. Yeah. I'm running again, which has... Um, How does that work? It's it's almost like a, a directory of sorts that it'll have all the businesses, County Clare businesses that you can purchase online from, and it links to them. We'll say if Jim Collins had the shop that we there'd be a link to Jim's shop, and you'd get in on the website to his online shop straight away. So it's all online, um, any Clare business that is online, and the majority of them have been funded by Clare Local Enterprise Office to go online over the last two years. Um, the Clare LEO have had more um, trade and online vouchers issues than they have in their whole lifetime. Um, which is very interesting because businesses are moving to online. As we can see, COVID-19 has probably accelerated it more so, um, which does have concerns in terms of the physical shops. Will they continue to have their their stores if they can do it online? Um, so there are a lot of questions that, 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 that haven't yet been answered, but the, the Clare for Clare initiative is back and running again, and, and um, it's um, a partnership we're delighted to have with Clare LEO. I know. Well, I think I should just uh, interrupt there a little bit because I, I said while I went over to the shop today and uh, the, the current issue of the paper wasn't in, I went online and I was quite happy to see Park. I don't know whether you had editorial content over this, but the the, the, the venues being covered in it were from Tim Grainy. <laughs> Exactly. So well, well timed. Well, well timed. So. John, uh, you, you, you're not uh, in, in the in the market for a new mattress now. You're going to be fifty percent off. No, I, uh, wrong time of year. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's a Black Friday sale here. Fifty percent off all mattresses and home trends furniture in Panetta Station in us. So. Oh, very good. Mm. Pat, what's the origin of the Friday Black Friday? It's an American. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's the day after um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving yeah. They are they are they have this big uh, sale in, in in the states, and the sponsors 
kom vi her til Israel. Men det kalder Black. Ja, yeah, det kalder Black Friday. Ja, ja, ja. Er det så sejlet der i det? Jeg tror, der er allerede tre som bank holder den sted. Tænk til det efter Thanksgiving and as på standard. And as på when it starts in America, det er usually. It used to be for retail. It used to be for retail that basically people use Q-up. It would be like the sort of Christmas sales here that people use Q-up outside the shops. Now it, it, the majority of it is online, and like everything else in in the world, sort of what starts off as a day event now probably turns into three or four weeks. Yeah. Uh, but we'll say you have Black Friday, and then they have what they'll call Cyber Monday. So that's on Monday. You know, and it was a bit like, well, if you didn't get to the shops on Friday, you can go. You could go and do, shop online on Monday. You know, but it's Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday, yeah, yeah, it's just yes, and that's kind of suggests an online. Oh, it's totally, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. But I see a lot of shops in Clare. Uh, you know, and maybe not shops that I would frequent now, but fashion shops uh, would have would have a Facebook presence mm. and uh, would have a kind of an online, a, almost an online store in Facebook that if you go to their Facebook page and scroll down along, you get all the various offers that they have, you know. So it is it is definitely moving that way that Parik was suggesting there, yeah. that, that it's more and more online or online to complement the, the, we'll say, block work, yeah. the, the, the actual building uh, where the shop is situated. Yeah. By the way, Pat referred to a holiday uh, the, the day after... Uh, Thanksgiving is a holiday. Um, it reminds me, would you like an extra holiday in the year? Oh, Jesus, John, will you give it a break? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know the no- latest nonsense I heard yesterday? Uh. That they're go- uh, we're going to have Paddy's Day as a holiday and the 18th for yeah. next year. So yeah. if you didn't get drunk enough the first night, you can come back and make a proper job of, of it the second t- day. What, why, 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 why do you not uh, lean towards uh, an, an extra holiday? Humbug, John. Humbug. Humbug. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, yeah. Would you agree with that, Humbug? Well, as someone who's retired, um, it doesn't affect me hugely. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say apparently on holiday, but um, it's, it's a live issue. It's it's in in the conversation. It's going to happen in somewhere or another. Yeah, they're, they're talking about yeah. moving it to Saint Bridget's Day, which will yeah, be yeah. the first of February. Yeah, that's right. There was a big gap between uh, Patrick's Day and Christmas, and the yeah. there. And how do you feel yourself? But I, I don't mind John one way or the other. Yeah. Probably make any difference to me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we leave the last word to you, Alan <coughs> Parik. I'll take it if it's going, but I'd be a bit worried. Um, as Luke said, of the seventeenth and eighteenth, if lads are go- or lads and ladies are going to be drinking the St Patrick's Day and the day after, should they're going to need a third day to recover? Then, yeah, so, uh, yeah. that'd be a slight. Probably would. I, d- I don't know when they're going to do it. I know um, Kildare Senator Fiona Lachlan came out this week and said there should be um, the holiday should be for the Taisho. Um, so that that was a small bit of a surprise given uh, Kildare's links to St Bridget that Fiona didn't row in behind that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mm. I think you're right. It's going to happen, but. Um, I don't know who should have the say on who well, Obviously, is. Luke won't have a say in no. anyway. No. Just as well, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on again. Um, looking at uh, Shell and the... Uh, I think it's on the Clare Champion. I'm not uh, sure uh, if it's... Uh, oh, uh, Jim, geez, we, we have a guest here who has written exclusively it's about it as well. It, it is in the yes. it's, it's covered in both papers, but... I, I, I said I will have to compliment Porik in relation to it because we say, Porik, you have a lot of detail that isn't necessarily 
in uh, we'll say the, some of the bits that, that's in uh, the article in the champion so it's basically uh, we we blow a lot of hot air here but uh, we're very much in favour of, of nine, uh, yeah we're, we're very much in favour of offshore wind 29 yeah now I, have, I had the online one here in, in front of me and it's basically uh, Simply Blue, who are a company based in Cork and Shell, uh, they, or they've taken Shell on board basically, I presume, to finance it, I would imagine, the things. And this is, we're talking about um, offshore and uh, long distance offshore, 35 kilometres offshore. And the detail that you have just in, in, in yours, I, I some of it I found very interesting that you're saying you're talking to turbines will be between 15 to 18 megawatts each. Now, John, this would yeah. apply back to you. Uh, you're trying to get a, a grasp of things. Back in, we say, within the last 10, 15 years, for on sh onshore uh, turbines that would have been built, so, you know, around, there's a lot of them up around, um, there's, you know, they're looking East for Coast. a few. Yeah. Well, no, in, in Clare, you know, around Ina and stuff like that. On land, oh, yeah. Yeah, we say on land. A lot of those are maybe one or two megawatts each, right? They're talking, you're talking seven to eight times the capacity for one turbine. Now, the part of the reason why that is possible is because of the physical size of them and the height of them. But they're going to be 35 kilometers offshore, so I don't think there's going to be too many people looking at them. So, Park, tell us about it. Yeah, well, just one slight concern with it is that, uh, obviously, Simply Blue, as you said, the project office for this project, it's, as we say, 35 kilometers off the coast key, key, the project office is going to be based in Cork for the duration of the of the works, which is something you'd love to see the project office maybe in West Clare and have Absolutely. a team of workers working out of there and more jobs for the county. But um, yeah, it's I think there is, as you said, Luke, there is massive potential for offshore wind energy in County Clare. Um, I'm aware that Limerick City and County Council are also keen to, to harness it and there's maybe potential down the line from what I'm gathering that there is going to be almost wind turbine wars in terms of the cost of generating them is going to be cheaper in Limerick than it is in Clare, so it's going to be something that's going to be progressing over over the next while. But as Killian Murphy says here, um, the, the, the potential for, for West Clare, and he said offshore wind is, is the Klondike of the modern, modern energy era. Um, and it, it, it does come as a bit of a boost considering the, the uncertainty that there is with Equinor pulling out the Irish market and where does yeah. that leave the, yeah. the Money Point project, w Green Atlantic. W would I be right, Paul? in saying that the fact that these are going to be further offshore doesn't mean that the foreshore licence issues are going to be as um, problematic. Yeah, I, I you'd be right from what I can gather as yeah. well. That'd yeah. be the case. But and that initially when this came in, um, I got onto both companies involved just to make sure it was completely separate to, to ESB Money Point because that has gone quiet at the minute, which is something yeah. that maybe should be ringing alarm bells. We're not maybe hearing as much noise from our uh, Oireachtas members on that. But um, there is massive capacity for offshore wind energy. West Clare seems to be getting a lot of it. I wonder, is there a demand in East Clare for if something could be put together on... Lockchurg or something, what what would we be thinking? Oh, geez, I, d I don't think they'd like one on Holy Island, no. <laughs> no. I, don't th I don't think the council would like one out there now, considering hopefully they're going to put yeah. a few bob into it at, so at some mm. stage. But no, but, but the, uh, offshore, we'll say the country, you know, we're well geared up for it. The fact that you have, you know, we said Money Point in its heyday could produce 26, 27% of the electricity for the country. The infrastructure is there. It's literally just to run the cables from the sea back into money point you're not going to have to you know go go build a truckload of new infrastructure no, on land right. but to do look, it look you have, you have, a, you have an actual uh, an actual uh, deep water port there as well yeah. yeah but we have learned at least we should have learned or should be learning from the experience of dealing 
uh, with the ESB and its suggested partner, which <laughs> fell apart last week. Okay. To allow that to happen as citizens of the state is a bit of an error, but to allow it to repeat in the second one, it's well, how would you describe it? Crass, mm. crass dereliction, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting that Shell, uh, a company we associate with petrol and gas, okay, uh, are into. I didn't realize until I read the, the, the article, Porek's article, that um, uh, Shell have been in the wind energy sea location for some time. So it's not new. It was inevitable that the oil companies were going to show uh, interest in uh, wind energy and the location like the, uh, we call it the loop head. Okay. We've got to, we've got to do everything in our power to encourage our, our politicians to become active, very, very active in the promotion of uh, wind energy offshore. Well, and the thing about, just to, to finish it for myself, uh, Pat, the thing about the 35 kilometer, the curvature is there on the ocean, so the farther out you go, the less visible it becomes. Okay. So there isn't a prob won't be a problem of visual from the point of view of the Pl environment. Planning. Planning. Well, visual impact. What? Yeah. Visual impact. Yeah, and Ryan was on... on, on um, after the news, the contract program prime times it. After the news, uh, there one night, and he was uh, when 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 this other crowd pulled out with DSB, and he 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 said, oh, he said there'd be no problem. There'd be plenty of companies to come in to do it. And and then um, Mary Mary had asked him about. Oh, he said we'll be doing the east coast first, and we'll we'll do the west coast in ten years time, and we printed hurtly before we get to the, the west coast. Mm -hmm. That was his answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Am I right in thinking, Parik, that um, the company Equinor that, that left the scene there a few weeks ago, that the reason was planning or lack of, of, Reg lack of regulatory, a structure? Regulatory, regulatory framework, yeah. Okay. They were, they were, that was their concern. So is that the part of the reason why this seems to be flying, is that there isn't that... Um, the, well, this is they've done. They simply blue have done something similar down in Cork, or have announced plans to do something similar in Cork. So that seems to be the tactic that they are going with, um, and they're probably, as you'd suggest, wouldn't seem to be as much of a hold up with that. But um, Equinor had raised concerns for a while with regards to the pace at which things would move. Yes, yeah. And are we trying to improve on that? You'd hope I mean, so. seriously <laughs> now. I mean, talking about rural revitalization and all that mm. kind of thing, when you have a uh, something being handed to you on a plate and don't protect it. But mm. nothing's happened since 05 or something, John. There was, uh, there was a legislation passed in 05 or 04 or sometime that time for, for um, yeah. wind farms off the, the coast and uh, it never has been updated. So what are we saying to Timmy Dooley, Carl um, Crow? Carl Crow. Michael McNamara. Michael McNamara. Yeah. And Violet Ann Wynn. Violet and Violet Ann. Yeah. Uh, what is the message and going on? Joe Carey. And Joe Carey. Martin Conway and Roshan Carey. Martin. Yeah. Uh, what are we saying to them? Yes, I I'm, I'm presume we're saying, lads, what's going on? Why? Whose responsibility is it to put those uh, regulat regulatory structures in place? Whose job is it? Is it 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's the politician's it's job. It's the because laws' job. They're elected. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, presumably the actual work that goes into it is, is the civil servants will do a lot of it. And tell us. And yes, and let us know what is going on here and how long more have we to wait as a country before we can get our house in order so that we, we take on the future in terms of energy generation. There I, is. There, I, I, sorry, Pat, go on. Uh, yeah, last week uh, they were talking about, uh, you know, the, the things on the, on the roofs of the houses, the solar, solar panels. Out in Germany and in France and, and all the firms, they have, they have loads of those solar panels. And we have nothing here. So you, if, if, you, if you travel from, all, from here to Dublin, you wouldn't find it, wouldn't see a, a solar panel on, I think on, I, a, on a farm. I, in fairness, I have a feeling that that's going to change this coming year, because the uh, surplus will be paid. A farmer will be actually get paid, paid yeah, yeah. for the surplus. Mm. Not very much, I must say. Well, uh, but from January onwards. That's uh, the I, I will ask you which January. Yeah. I know. I, I but no, I'm 100% serious because it's a topic I know a little bit about. And it was <laughs> it was supposed to come in, we'll say, in the tail end of 2019. And I sort of wonder what do uh, Equinor and this whole thing have in common? ESB. Hmm. I'd, look, I'll just I, leave it there. And, I, ma- and monopolies in this country. Yeah. We're, hmm. we're going to we're, we're going to leave it now. But I I, I will challenge you, uh, Fiverr, and it, it can be witnessed by my th- three other colleagues here around the table. Five euro, okay, that uh, you will get paid for surplus energy produced this year, this coming year, not this. You said January, John. <laughs> The minister said, and, Canada, I, and minister. I asked you which January. Well, the yeah. minister, the minister. No, there was a cynical undertone to it. So, <laughs> you're right. Oh, correct. No. Um, so, are you taking up the challenge? Absolutely. I, I, if you want, I'll double it. No, no. <laughs> I would, as a retiree, I would be able to afford. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Go yeah. to an area that John has is, is causing him worry. What is it? And that is seed potatoes. Oh, my God. Uh, you have actually, a major problem with seed potatoes. Well, I was thinking of you. I know you're a gardener, okay? I know Pat is a gardener, uh, and you grow your own earlies, particularly earlies every year, and I do. These potatoes, the seed potatoes, as you know, predominantly come from Scotland. There's a small amount down from Donegal, but the seed potatoes that supplies the Irish market, come, they come from Donegal, okay, uh, from uh, uh, Western... Eastern Scotland, as a result of Brexit, seed potatoes from Britain may not be imported in here. Okay, now that hasn't hit the the fan yet, but the impact mm. it will have. So, the op- the alternative then, or the option we'd have, would be potatoes from Europe, brands we know nothing about. Do you know? Perhaps grossly unsuitable to the actual Irish uh, uh, conditions. Mm. All right. So there was an article on one of the dailies uh, last week dealing with this, and it was the supplier, the big, the biggest supplier from Scotland, pointing out the dilemma that he is in. Yes, okay? major problem for him as well, and one for us. So if you see a, a notice outside any of the of the um, uh, horticultural shops in the East Clare area with Kerpings, Goldamonders, you know. British Queen's mm. records for sale. Buy the seed now. 
Yes, okay, and store it over the winter. And store it over the winter. But John, when, you, when you're digging out your potatoes, you should keep the seed ones uh, for the following year. Uh, do you do that? I have done it different have times. Have you? I have, yeah. Yeah, very fairly, do mm. Okay, listen, we've reached the halfway point. So uh, at this stage, usually we ask Pat, uh, our resident DJ, to suggest a little bit of music. There's, there's, only, there's only one uh, singer under the... Uh, oh, God, that's what we were afraid of. We talked, <laughs> talked about it all week, and that's uh, Garrett Brooks. So if tomorrow never comes... Uh, okay, Garrett Brooks. Five nights sold out next <laughs> September. Next September yeah. Okay, thanks, Pat. If tomorrow never comes, will she know how much I love her? Did I try in every way to show her every day that she's my only one? And if my time on must face this world without me Is the love I gave her in the past Gonna be enough to last If tomorrow never comes So tell that someone that you love Just what you're thinking of If tomorrow never comes You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week here on Scarth Bay Community Radio. That was Garth Brooks. And uh, good luck with the hunt for tickets for Garth's five concerts next year. I know Pat is sorted anyway, so hopefully <laughs> um, the rest of us will, will, will pick up some along the way. Can I remind you as well, uh, we're talking to you on Sunday the 28th of November. Um, we have a calendar, 2022 calendar, um, available uh, for sale to the general public. And absolutely, if I may say so myself, an absolutely fantastic-looking uh, calendar, absolutely brilliant, beautiful photographs uh, from Ruth Griffin, uh, photographs taken all over East Clare, and um, I think every parish is included in it. And uh, there's photographs of, of various people um, and in the radio station as well, but they are quite small. You won't, but um, we're looking at uh, these are for sale anyway. They'll be in sale in various outlets and from volunteers here at the station as well. We're talking about five euro, and it's an absolutely fantastic calendar for five euro. Uh, so you might, um, if you see it around, uh, you might pick one up. Um, look, it, it is nice, John, isn't it? Lovely. Yeah. An artistic point of view, from a functional point of view. Yes. You know, and for a fundraising point of view, it scores very highly. They're available, as I said, for five euro. An ideal uh, Christmas present or New Year present or something to send away to remind people that maybe uh, of what they're missing here in East Clare and the most beautiful um, scenery and not to speak of the people. It's the people we over Christmas and all that, you know, it would be nice to send them a, send them a, a calendar. So we all urging people to, to go out and support the, the, the radio station. Okay. You're, supporting the, you're supporting the radio station as well, so it's a nice production. By local, as they say. Yeah. It is very local. I mean, all the areas are local. It was uh, printed locally and um, put together locally, so it's, it's a complete local... Uh, 
there's nothing yeah. from outside of uh, County Clare in it. And we would like to, as well, Jim, to, um, to thank all the sponsors. I think the, the, the sponsors for our main, main uh, way of collecting money, maybe, to, to, to produce it. So we'd just like to sp- and, and let, uh, we'd ask everybody in East Clare to support the sponsors as well. Yes, we have uh, on each, uh, we have a number of advertisements on, on you know, I think there's two in each month. And uh, we know we do. We we reiterate that to please uh, support our um, our sponsors and our advertisers. Okay. Now that being said, just normally in the second half of the program we we look sort of more local to East Clare. But since we have Parik today, we make an exception to that. One of the things we had done for the first half of the show, which we never got to, was Shannon. Parik, you have you have a headline there. Yeah, council refused. 10 million gift to fund community space. Um, on the face of it, that would seem to be um, extraordinary, but I suppose there's probably more to it. Oh, there's definitely more to it, and, and the story is covered um, by Owen Ryan as well in the Clare Champion on page 1 and page 3, and we have it on page 12 and page 14. So there was a meeting of the Love Shannon Community Council um, last Wednesday night, and I just thought the comments were, were relevant just because I was listening to you last week, and I don't know, Janice Kelly expressed the satisfaction that you were very lucky with the, the representatives he had in, in the Killaloo Municipal District and the work they did. Whereas in Shannon, the mood is quite different. Um, as I say, the story on page 14 with the headline, Shannon Town's future requires a rebellion. So it was expressed at the, the meeting. Some speakers said that they need to put forward seven seven Shannon Town candidates to get more for Shannon Town because they weren't happy with the the view of Shannon from Clare County Council, like the argument is put forward that it's the biggest rates payer collectively with all the industry, but it gets one of the smallest returns in terms of investment. Because um, as we say, it is a town, but doesn't really have the town feel to it. Kind of feels like a place you pass through. That's the, the feeling of the residents. And the, the argument's been put forward was that they need to shake things up. They don't. The people elected from Cratlow and Mealick and Newmarket and Six Mile Bridge, they were saying weren't doing anything for Shannon Town. So um, they referred to their le- current elected representatives as stooges, which was far from the rhetoric that was expressed regarding the, the East Clare representatives last week. But um, it was also said at the meeting that um, a 10 million euro gift from a Shannon-based businessman to fund the venue, which was um, a planned civic, social and cultural space in Shannon Town Centre, was rejected by Clare County Council. Now, the venue um, got funding, but not insufficient funding for it to proceed. It was put forward as a, a URDF fund, and so that, you know, that's something like the Vandalure Wall Gardens benefit from that type of funding to progress it. And insufficient funds were given to the venue, so it was basically um, null and void that nothing was going to happen with it. Um, and then this businessman came within the past two years, as far as I know, and made the offer to Clare County Council, but that offer was refused. Um, Clare County Council, in a statement, um, didn't really answer the question, first of all, and then, in a subsequent statement, um, denied the claims. So, um, Shannon business people are saying there's definitely money was offered and architects strong or done by the businessmen, but the council are saying they didn't get the offer, so... Yes. So uh, according to the story, I don't which of them there, um, uh, Paulie, they said that the, 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 businessmen, the businessmen went back again with a second plan and it was still rejected. Yeah, because so, uh, initially in Shannon, people did feel, now some of the business, the people like Daryl O'Connor of Texcon Shen mm-hmm. said he had um, misconception, he didn't feel the venue was going to work under if it did get UDR, URDF funding. 
because he said viability financially and paying for it that would there have been a mortgage or whatever he, he, he was questioning it but he said the fact that it was gifted and there was 10 million he said it was going to be sorted but I remember at the time attending another very heated public meeting in Shannon they always seemed to be very heated <laughs> when I got to him in Shannon <laughs> and <laughs> um, it was about the venue it was a week or two after um the, the venue not getting the funding and it was in the lead up to the 2019 local election so the councillors were getting hot under the collar as well because they knew they were going to the ballot soon enough but um, it was it was just a lot of anger exp- expressed at that meeting and the people they, they just that anger is still simmering away it has died down a small bit but they, it was also said at that, that meeting in 2019 that the venue, the argument put forward from some of the councillors was the venue in Shannon would be located too close to Glore in Ennis and then the Lime Tree Theatre in Mary Mackley College in Limerick that it was felt what would it draw people in. But there's a very active um, Shannon Musical Society. I'm not sure if they're looking for men, John S. They have a very active society and they can only hold um, plays and concerts and whatever when the schools are closed yeah. um, for their holidays. Um, so that's there's just there's a bit of an audience missing out in Shannon because of that. Well, surely, mm-hmm. outside of Ennis, Shannon is the next big biggest population in the yes, county. Yeah. And, now, and I know it's okay, it's 10, 15 minutes away from Ennis, so all the rest of it, but the main thing, and anyone that's involved in voluntary work or any buildings or stuff like that is, as a man says, if you don't have a debt when you open the doors, you're sort of in business. And if you said, you know, 10 million is a very significant sum of money, and if they had a venue that was just, would say, running costs were your costs for the year. And I, I think there's an initial figure was mentioned there of 250 and uh, 250,000. And then we'll say when the second proposals went back, it looked as if that figure might have changed a bit. Now, it doesn't you know, state exactly how much, but I would be of the opinion that if, if your running costs for a venue of that nature were, we'll say, just say for argument's sake, within the region of 150 to 200,000 a year, that's 3,000 euros a week. A little bit like no more than the facilities of the building that we're in here at the moment or that any other club or agency does. If you build it, people will come. It would generate income. And if it needed a small subvention from the council, how bad? That would be my hmm. thoughts on it. And what is it, Paul? Is it, is it just a theatre? No, it was going to be a civic social space, so it was going to oh, be yeah. a big facility. You would have had the theatre stuff, but it would have, yeah. had, it would have been a, 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 a heart of the community. You could have had your yeah. public meetings and stuff. Yeah, Sim- yeah. Almost similar to this facility we have he- here in Scarlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it would have been... People have said Shannon is missing a heart, and that would have been seen as a heart of Shannon. Hmm. Uh, would it be unfair to say that from the word go... When Shannon was designed as uh, our new urban centre so many decades ago, that the design lacked a central heart. Do you know? You couldn't say, where exactly is the heart of our town? And it seems to have suffered from that lack or loss. The second thing that strikes me is models for um, development exist. But it does mean that people... Not just the politicians, but the citizenry have to be open to the possibility of change and, okay, and become involved. This is, a, as I read it, it's a case of a shocking lack of communication and a lack of involvement of the, by the citizens in their own community. Okay? And there are so many, uh, there are so many others, do you know, that uh, so many other villages across the country, they can act as, as, as models. Hmm. Well, we often say here, John, and I mean, I, I'd love to know if, if Porrick might be able to tell us, 
um, the, the, the councillors that we glowingly <laughs> referred to last last week um, in this area, and and you know sometimes I'm sure they get criticised as well, but they they tend to operate very much within the community. And they tend to operate at local level that they're not just councillors, they're involved in other things at local level. And they're, they're very much in touch, I think, with people on the ground. So that there isn't, it's just when you, you mentioned the word a few times, anger. Uh, I, I'm just wondering, would, would the same kind of thing not operate in, in the Shannon area where councillors would be working with local groups, you know, on an ongoing basis. Well, just in, in Shannon, for argument's sake, Donna McGeshkin is um, part of the Shannon Tidy Towns, and I know Jerry Flynn is with them from time to time, maybe not as much as Donna. Then the, the rest from Pat O'Gorman had been an officer in Cratlow GA Club, PJ Ryan, Pat McMahon had, P, Pat McMahon had been in a maybe a higher capacity with American Celtic, not a hands-on officer, but like they've all had their involvement with community groups. But I would say with regards to Shannon, they kind of see the Cratlow councillor as the Cratlow councillor, hmm. or the Six Mile Bridge councillor as that, whereas you, within East Clare, they're seen as the East Clare councillors, and similarly in West Clare and North Clare. You know, Shane Talty is in Ennistime and Lahinch, but he's viewed in Milltown Malibay as their local councillor as well. That's um, very interesting, what you're saying. Very. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a, an isolated unit within the broader Clare a group of, of uh, electoral yeah. districts. No, I mean, I just think it, like in, here in Scariff, where I'm from and where I know reasonably well, there there is no councillor um, no. living in Scariff. No. But I, I don't think any of the other councillors would be, any of the councillors around would be seen as, you know, he's a Killaloo councillor or yeah. he's a faecal yeah. councillor. It, it, you know, I think what you were saying, that they, they would be seen as councillors for yeah. clear. But And even just the fact that they said, we want to put forward, let's put forward seven Shannon Town councillors. Yeah. Now, they've had a job to get two elected. I, they wouldn't get seven. Um, mm. And, you know, like, the, obviously the votes in Mealick are important as well. So they, I don't think that was entirely thought out, but... Um, it's uh, the anger is still there anyway in Shannon. How it's going to be resolved is another thing. But you see, uh, I think I, I I'd be critical of of the councillors in in in, in this area you know, as well. They, they, they have no they have no problem in demanding money for every kind of every kind of a thing around in this, and they they normally get it. They, they, I think um, the the man here, Ron Kelvin, he's a journalist. He says about yeah, the, the only place this um, uh, regeneration is, is in the broadways and laneways of Venice. Yeah. yeah, he's right. They're 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 paving the and they haven't and they paved them all in to go. Now they they have a plan now in Venus. They're going ripping up all around the square and all down around the corner street. And it was only paved a few few years ago. So when they kind of get tired of it, they they decide well we'll 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 re- regenerate it again. But they're put for these kind of. It seems to be the the new thing now that it's document strategies. There's Sh- the Shannon Town Master Plan. There's the Killaloo Mobility Plan. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. 2040s, you say, but Rand put forward some very interesting points. I thought at the meeting, and he said, um, "It's been the same ding dong in Clare County Council because it's always been Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael. He said that needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. It's is needed for Shannon Town to. And well, that's that's very much now at the core of the way we operate here in East Clare. Hmm. The the party political uh, divides. Don't show any evidence, should they? Don't no, 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 not at all. They don't. And uh, as, as proof positive, if you look at the, if you read the reports from the Killaloo uh, district area, yeah, A proposes one thing, and it will be backed up by B, who happens perhaps to be from a, a different party. Yeah. They're yeah. constantly working in mm-hmm. harmony, and that's why we 
we as citizens like to actually, um, you know, acknowledge that and support it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. We we better just go back. We'll go back to the second minute, uh, Jim. Yes. Okay. The, the, the market. <laughs> the market, they put up a, a glorified place, a car park. It cost, I don't know how many million it has cost. 500,000. Uh, yeah. How much? 500,000. 500,000. Yes. But it's a, it's a cover for uh, nine or ten cars every, every day. That's hard to see it. And, um, and it's, put up, it's put up as a market, was it? Or is it, it was, yeah, put up as a market. But nobody, nobody will use it. Yeah. 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 No, notice on that, following on a, at that point, notice the actual... A plan how it evolved in the Banana Killaloo uh, Centre. It followed on a series of consultations, and every group seems to have had a, an input, input yeah. as yeah. well as individuals. Yes, and that's, that's illustration of what we're talking about. That's the way forward. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll move along. Um, there was something in my oh yes, Shannon. Just before we leave, Shannon, yeah. uh, I, we're going to Malta. There's new flights to Malta for the first time. <laughs> uh, twice weekly service taken off in, in March. Yeah. Very good news yeah, for Shannon. Yeah, it seems to be the Scarf Bay might fund a trip to Malta. I think better Ryan is looking for you. might do lo local media from Malta. Um, but yeah, it seems to be going very well. Mary Constine, so far so good as chairperson. Um, one would question why as much progress was not made pre-COVID, we seemed things seemed to nearly be better now in Shannon than it was in 2019. Yeah. Certainly, it look it's looking hopeful and looking more optimistic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, which is great. Okay, uh, looking back here to East Clare and uh, one of the aforesaid councillors, we were talking about uh, Pat Burke, and Pat is concerned that we're losing our wing mirrors uh, in in the hedgerows. Um, and has he a point, Pat O'Brien? Yeah, councillors claim overgrown hedgerows taking out vehicle wing mills. I think Pat has on over that before the earlier in the year, but anyway. I think he's been photographed cutting his own hedges, I think. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> he's been photographed cutting his own hedges, and I think he lost his own wing mirror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think his photograph was on the paper there with his wing mirror broken there earlier in the year. Mm. Well, they discussed it again anyway down in, in, in the Kindle Municipal District, and... Um, uh, Eleanor Callaghan lost him, his mirror as well after after the oil truck, so I suppose they're, they're hoping that maybe the the, um, the hedges would be cut. Um, I think an awful lot of farmers cuts their hedges, and I know over around us now, practically a lot of, a lot of farmers have had their hedges cut since the... And do they cut them themselves, or do they... Oh no, they get a machine, they get a machine to cut them, yeah. 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 But they pay for it themselves. But they pay for it themselves, yeah. Yeah. One of the things Pat has highlighted there, Pat Burke has lost a wing mirror, Ellen O'Callaghan has, so maybe we should talk to Joe Cooney, Pat, and Tony O'Brien, just to make sure. <laughs> but uh, I, well, I, I, I just, my, my um, thing that uh, most farmers are getting farm payments, and uh, maybe the, all, all the road all the road hedges should be linked into, um, linked into the farm payments. And, and and make them, you know, that the uh, part of your um, part of your payments that you you'd uh, you'd get your hedges cut, your outside hedges cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. Was was it Alan Callan was talking about the dangerous dip on the way out from Ennis yes. to East Clare? Yes. Yes. And it um, is a dangerous. Dip. Where where is he talking about it? Exactly? Hedges cross. Hedges cross. Oh yeah. <laughs> where you, do you know where you if you decide to come in the Qu the Quinn Road into Ennis? Yes. Where you leave the main, uh, main Tala Ennis Road. Turn left. Uh, John, yes. I'll give you the exact description, we'll say on page 13, uh, the East and South East Clare notes. Uh, 
There, there's a section where the, uh, this is the the quote we'll say from uh, Councillor O'Callaghan. There's a section where the road is narrow with a dip and a jump. I first noticed when I saw a man in front of me with jeep and trailer. There was no speed involved. The trailer jumped a fine height into the air. <laughs> You know, and uh, the location is just as you're coming from Clooney towards Henchy's Junction on the regional road, the R352. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, but yes. it is a danger, it really is. It is. Well, I that whole, uh, Pat O'Brien has, uh, does he not have a plan? Does Pat have a, for that whole area to improve it? I, I don't, I, I well, don't know. The, I don't. the senior executive engineer, anyway, has confirmed yeah. that works uh, on, on the inner side of Hinchy's Cross aren't on the programme for next year. So oh, right. uh, yeah. he, they're going to have to be taking it easy there next year. Yeah, they're looking for two million. I think we discussed it last week. Mm. Today, and they're looking for two million uh, from, I suppose, maybe from the EC, I don't know, uh, forward out from the government to, to, to do that whole area there. Yes. Yeah. And it's dangerous, really. You're coming out there, it's dangerous. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah. a height above the inner side and then, you know, at this side as well. So it's, um, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a place that really needs to be done. Yeah. At the meeting there, Councillor Callan did say that particularly heavy goods vehicles, trucks, lorries, they were the ones that, as he put it, were flying into the air because of the bad dip. So yeah, yeah and I think it, that that particular stretch of the road is narrow. It's narrow it's compared narrow. to the rest of. Yes. You know, there yeah. a lot of upgrade work has happened on that road. Yeah. What, was, and what was the hold up? Anyway? What was the hold up on that? I, I don't. I don't know. John is supposed to have the money. Really, Hinchy's grass. The, the reason that it didn't get it was it no long, when it had been got the green light we'll say whenever things had changed and it no longer qualified for active travel funding so that if you recall I think you discussed it a few months ago you were talking about Pat Burke got very angry about the birds and the bees kind of influence and funding being given out and he, he blamed it as a green party, green party yeah, yeah. Um, mm. but that's been the reason that Henshaw's Cross was delayed was because it wasn't active travel funding mm. Interesting Okay no, illegal dumping. Um, we were looking at a piece there. Was it on the Clare Champion, uh, John? Uh, where there is some illegal dumping, but because of GDPR issues, illegal dumping. Um, is, I won't say it's getting the green light, but it's certainly not getting the red light. No, and it's tied in with uh, the res the resolution to this problem is tied in to cameras, isn't it? Yes. So to our listeners, with what we're saying, in relation to the use of CCTV, okay? Now, I'm a proponent of widespread use of uh, cameras. Yeah. We have, we've had, on, on Scattered Chronicle, John, you and I have been talking about this for a long time. A long time. And we would have, on every bridge across the River Shannon, we would have cameras. Absolutely. And, and all over East Clare, yeah. so that anyone who comes into East Clare, like the Parik would be picked up loads of times <laughs> since he left home this evening. <laughs> but absolutely. I'm not I wasn't doing any illegal dump. No. <laughs> no. I mean, it's, what is the cause, do you think, of illegal dumping? What is it that drives people to behave like that? Well, just downright laziness, John. Do you think? I'd say so, yeah. So what would your... Because I, I have... I go to work and, and I see, I've seen where, where stuff was dumped and, and uh, uh, bags of bottles. Mm. Or maybe bags of cans thrown into a tree. Which are free to, to, are free to recycle to anyway. Free to re recycle, yeah. you know? Now, as a common man, like, what's, what's wrong with putting a camera at A or B or C. Why have, what's the problem? You know, if you have, if I have a camera up at home, I have a camera, I have a camera up at home and, yeah. and it's looking out the front, but I suppose it, it actually stops short of 
covering the road. Yeah. But if you're out for a walk past my house and I pick you up on the camera, um, I'm infringing your uh, rights to privacy as far as I know. So it's my understanding that, uh, let's say, footage picked up on, on a camera can't be used GDPR with because of GDPR um, it's 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 I think it's gone way over the top Mickey is asking the question what's what is that GDPR it's used as a crutch in a lot of things for a lot of organizations not to do stuff so general general dash protection rules it's basically to try to protect people's identity in certain ways but I think it, it not to move away from the question yet but um, it's privacy Okay, and not allowing someone, if Mickey Joe, as you said, is pictured on the camera, that maybe he shouldn't be pictured on the camera, and it's to try to protect his identity in certain ways like that. But a lot of organisations, be it government or local government, would use it as a crutch. Oh, we can't give you this information because of GDPR. I'd come across it a lot of times if I was sending in a press query normally with the hospital. Oh, we can't comment on individual cases because of GDPR. Or similar with the council, if you were to make a certain inquiry on something, they'd use GDPR. We can't comment on it because of that. But I think, like Pat said earlier on the hedge cutting and prosecutions, there's a lot of people that don't cut their hedges and aren't prosecuted on. And I think illegal dumping would be the same if it was, it's not pushed properly in terms of prosecutions. Um, that the money is there, like the council can send the letters, they can send hundreds or dozens of letters and there's no action taken a lot of the time for both illegal dumping and hedge cutting. When these fellows are when these fellows are caught, I know an awful lot of them don't be caught. But when they're caught, they should be named. Do you know they should be up in court and they should be they should be named. I, I don't know why we're not hiding behind all these things. If, 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 if it's illegal, it's illegal. And that's it. And if if you're caught, do you know. Okay, we're coming to the end of the program this evening, John. I know you wanted to mention uh, Jane Ryan's book Absolutely. before we finish because that we haven't time for anything else, but I know you'd be disappointed if you didn't get uh, to that. Indeed, because congratulations to Jane, uh, Jane Halloran Ryan, one of our colleagues in the radio project, uh, living in Tulla, and she has just uh, completed a, uh, a research on exploring graveyard secrets. So it's a, the book is available now in East Clare. It can go with our calendar, you know. Uh, it's a Christmas present to your yes. favourite neighbour. <laughs> okay. And the idea, the idea of uh, researching graveyards appeals to me in a big way. And it has so much to offer, great possibilities. And uh, I can't, I'm dying, as I said, in, in, I'm dying to get a read of the book. I okay. just hope you're not dying to get into a graveyard. <laughs> yeah. <then. laughs> So a bit of life left in you yet. 150 <laughs> slabs in uh, the um, Clooney graveyard. And that's it's the graveyard close to um, Hinchy's Cross. It is indeed, yeah. Yes. yeah. It is. Okay, listen, that's all we have time for today, unfortunately. We, we do any bit going. We, we, we keep flying and we keep talking. But um, our thanks to... John S. Kelly. John, thank you very much. You're welcome, Jim. Uh, and to Luke Fleming. Thank you. And to Pat O'Brien. Thanks, Jim. And a special thank you to our guest today, Porrick McMahon from the Clare Echo. Thanks very much, Porrick, thanks for coming out, thanks and uh, we always enjoy having you here. Likewise, likewise. Okay, now, Pat, what can you do for us to play us out? Well, we'll go back to the... No more Garth Brooks. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back to the 60s and the sequels. I, I, I will never find another you. 
Fair. Brilliant, Pat. Very good. Okay, that's all from local media this week here in Scarif Bay Community Radio. We'll see you next Sunday afternoon. Goodbye and God bless.